Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Sarah Ellis. And I'm Helen Tupper. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. Each week, we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you develop in your career and be even more successful in our squiggly world of work. <laughs> and today's topic is about understanding work and your identity. What the relationship between those two things is and kind of how that works. And actually, in a slight departure, I think, from our usual podcast style, it's slightly less tips and tricks. And we're still going to talk about actions, but I think it's more prompts and provocations This episode really came from actually three or four people in various different ways getting in touch with me, struggling maybe with their identity and asking about how to really think about this. And I thought, oh, we'll have done a podcast episode on this. I'll point (laughs) them in that direction. I thought, oh, it turns out even 160 or whatever it is episodes on, there's always new ground to cover. Endlessly fascinating topic. Unfortunately, I've not been able to work a two by two matrix into this episode. No, you haven't, have you? Which I'm really, I'm actually really happy about. I feel like we've had quite a lot of two by two matrices in the last month or so. I don't even think I've got a single framework, Sarah. What will I do? What will I do for the next 30 minutes? Imagine if everyone's just turning off because it's like, 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 oh, well, if if there's no framework, that's it. They're like, let Helen have her frameworks. Come on. (laughs) I think I'm going to really enjoy this episode. I think you're going to spend the whole time going, what's the action? What's the action? Give give me some bullet points. All right, everybody, I'm going to give you three bullet points right now. I I am. My bullet points for you, everybody, are like, basically, why bother thinking about your identity and work why should we spend some time thinking about this so fact number one work is a bigger part of who we are than it has ever been and that's because our boundaries are so blurred we're not operating in this really nice neat nine to five world we are working at home work is encroaching on our personal time and through our personal relationships and as a result of that people are questioning you know what is this work for why am I doing it where am I doing it who am I doing it with and they're looking for fulfillment and and it's much much more than just money and status for people it has a bigger impact on their life and it has a bigger impact on how they see themselves so that's kind of point number one about why we need to unpick this is it because it matters to people the other reason is you know the squiggly career context which Sarah and I talk about all the time definitely has some implications for identity so within squiggly careers there's quite a lot of change some of it is driven by us you know as we're looking at different roles and different things we want to do and a lot of that change is driven by the organizations that we work for because 
they're having to adapt and respond to the market so that they can basically stay in business. And that means that it's quite hard sometimes to take control of our identity when there's lots changing around us. And that can create some uncertainty and anxiety. Sometimes people might feel a little bit lost in that, but that squiggliness isn't going away. So what we need to do is recognise that it's sort of here to stay and think about, well, how do we manage our identity within all of that movement? And the last reason that we want to think about work and identity is that there is a lot of research that actually shows that people who have a strong sense of identity, so a strong sense of self and how their work connects to that sense of identity, actually have higher levels of well-being. And in the resources from today's podcast, we'll link to some research that's done relatively recently by the University of Sheffield, which shows that if you choose a job that you can identify with, so you get that sort of match between this is the identity that I want for myself and I've chosen work that aligns with it, it leads to higher self-esteem, more pride in you and, and more confidence in yourself and also greater well-being over the long term and I'm sure you're all really familiar we've done lots of podcasts on it but the need for us to invest in our well-being is so so important and this is just one one way that we can do that by really thinking about our identity and our work and how the two connect. And I think it's interesting to reflect on when are the moments where our identity is most likely to kind of be at risk what kind of happens that makes us question our identity and our relationship with the work that we do my conclusions so i have to say this this is not based on um, anyone smarter than me so just, just bear Ellis that in says. mind yeah <laughs> my insight is i i think the the challenge can be at two ends of a spectrum one is where you are doing too much work and i'll talk about that in a second and one is where perhaps you're doing too little or there's kind of been a big change so let's take too much first and this is where I think your work becomes who you are and it's where it becomes all consuming and psychologists actually use this phrase (laughs) called enmeshment (laughs) which I think actually does it's quite an evocative word in lots of ways where your boundaries are so blurred that your individual identity actually loses its importance and so you kind of become, I guess, at one with your work. And there's even another research that kind of calls this like, you become like a spiritual workaholic. Your work gets elevated to a level of meaning where previously we've probably only seen this level of meaning elevated where you're thinking about things like religion or art or philosophy. That's kind of the level that work has got to, which couldn't kind of, you know, you can partly laugh about it. But I think when I was reflecting on this, I was thinking work is so important to me. And it's such a big part of my identity that I can associate with that. It's up there with, you know, the most important parts of my life. And it's a big part of how I spend all of my time. So you can losing your sense of kind of who you are, and, and you just becoming your work is something I think it probably does happen to most of us at some point in our careers. So that's when doing too much work, it becomes consuming. I also think there's lots of challenges around identity when a big change happens or we stop working in the way that we were previously. So I think maternity or paternity leave can be a real moment where we completely step away from a world that that we know and where we probably perhaps felt quite confident and you're in a very different sort of world. And then perhaps when you return to that world and, and your world has changed, that often prompts a really big kind of sense of questioning our identity of who we are, whether we've had career breaks. I think if you are going through a period of restructuring or redundancy, you know, I have definitely observed people where 
you know, you perhaps have worked for an organisation for a long period of time, you've given that organisation a lot of yourself. So you've given them a lot of your time and your skills and you've become so intertwined in that organisation that then if redundancies do happen, that can feel very, very hard because your identity is so woven into where you work, like what that kind of organisation is. And you know, things like retirement. I've, I was reading lots of stories of people talking about how you know your relationship with work now, as we've said, is so important that actually when people are retiring at the moment, they really feel this kind of sense of of loss. And that's where most of your where most of your relationships are because they're the people that you spend the most time with. And suddenly some of your connections have gone and perhaps how you felt confident and how you felt useful. I often think there's these pivotal moments, perhaps like maternity or paternity leave or redundancy or retirement that really prompts some sort of kind of identity crisis in some way. Or I think sometimes it happens to us where perhaps we're just work becomes more and more and more part of who we are and that kind of enmeshment starts to happen. And then suddenly we kind of go, this all doesn't feel right, but I'm kind of not sure what to do about it. So now what we're going to do is we're going to move on to some ideas for action because I think one of the risks with all of this is sometimes you don't realise that your identity has got so intertwined until you're in one of those really sticky situations when maybe it's gone and you didn't want it to and you're like, what do I do now? Or maybe when you know, you've know got my like robot situation where you're so in it that you realise you've lost a bit of yourself along the way. So what we want to do is to help you not be at that point basically we obviously if you any of you are there we still want to help you but we really want to help support you along the way and there's lots and things that you can do before that happens and so we're going to share some different ideas for action for you now so that you can start to think about how you take a bit more control over your identity and you're maybe not so vulnerable to some of the changes that might be happening in your career or when change happens it doesn't affect you quite so deeply from that that point of identity So the first idea for action that we've got for you is make sure that your work identity is about you. So it's not about your manager. So you're not successful because of who you work for or you're not happy because you work for this company or you're working on this particular initiative. And I say that having done all of those things, I've definitely had a moment in my career where I was like, oh, I'm happy because I'm working for this amazing brand. And it was nothing about me and my achievements and what I wanted to do. I'd sort of got lost in it being about someone else. But what we really want is to make your work identity about you because you are you are the consistent point in this you can be in control of how you show up and the action that you take and how you respond to your feelings that's the bit that you can control all the other stuff whether your manager stays or goes or whether your job changes in the next 12 months or whatever your company does you're not in control of that stuff so make your work identity about you and that might mean that you maybe bring some aspects of the you that exist outside of work to your work so for example when I am when I worked to Virgin you know I was really trying to think very consciously about how do I show up as it's such a cheesy phrase in it my full self but I was thinking about like how do I bring all of me all of me to Virgin because the role before that was like the robot role as we'll call it now but I wanted to really make sure that I wasn't going to be the robot again I was like how oh, do I, bring... I remember the robot days oh, thanks thanks oh. for that you, you were there for them for me I remember the robot days because all you ever used to say to me was I'm fine in like a really in a really aggressive way <laughs> I'm pressing the red button it says I'm fine I'm fine move on move on <laughs> oh, quite funny though 
Thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't want to be the robot with the red button saying I'm fine. So I thought consciously about how I could bring all of myself and, you know, started side projects and slightly geekily passionate about technology. And even though that had nothing to do with my job, I sort of brought that into my work. And I felt like I was... I don't know, much more authentic, much more me. And I wasn't trying to be someone else or be what a job or a company needed me to be. So that's sort of just an example of how you can make sure that your work identity is about you and the you that wants to be there and wants to show up and not what you think you might need to fit into within that organisation. Have you got an example, Sarah, of making it about you? What I've got better at is... I really care about the work that I do and I do care about who I work for and what I work on. And I don't think we're saying that's a bad thing I, th- I think it's a really good thing I think it's where's the tipping point where it becomes unhelpful and I think the tipping point where it becomes unhelpful is as you've described is where it becomes outside of you you're relying on things outside of you in terms of your identity and so even now I was thinking about this I love career development and I love to learn and I loved that before we started Amazing If I love it even more now because I feel so fortunate and privileged that this is what we do. This is what we do now day in, day out. And it took us a lot of years and work to get to this point. But I think the thing I feel confident about, which I wouldn't have done previously until I really thought about this, is if our business fails, I'll be distraught and I'll be really disappointed. And of course, that would be really hard. But I know that my identity is not wrapped up in all of amazing if, because that's not something I can control all of the time. And I know what I would take with me is my love of learning and my love of career development. And I think I feel really confident I'd find another way. Now, Mm. I don't want that to happen. (laughs) But equally, when COVID happened for the first time earlier this year, I found that a really interesting point because, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen to our business. And I remember thinking, I'm going to fight um, (laughs) as hard as I can to make this work. But if it doesn't, I think it will be okay. And Mm. I think probably five or six years ago, I'm not sure that would have been the same because I think I've kind of learnt to get better at really thinking about myself and my self-identity. Probably the thing that I found the hardest was I was very specific about who I worked for when I was working in big organisations. I worked for some brilliant leaders who taught me a lot and I'm so glad that I did because I think they made me who who I am today. And I always found it hard when they left because obviously Mm. brilliant leaders, everyone leaves, you know, that's reality, that's squiggly careers. And I would always think, but don't leave me. How, how, <laughs> like, how could you possibly leave me? And you do sort of have to learn like almost the hard way. You go, well, of course they can go and do that. And I think at times I was a little bit almost like my identity was too close to other people. That was also quite a useful thing to kind of get, just have that little bit of distance sometimes and think, well, I need to make sure that I'm still enjoying what I'm doing in my work and feel confident in myself regardless of that person because I can't control what that person goes off to do so I think the leader thing was a good lesson for me I've got Sarah as you've been talking it's made me think and I've, I've got halfway to a model aha I've managed to squeeze one in how but how have because, you got because I was like this thinking. is going to be the one model we don't have to have <laughs> it's on. not quite it's not quite a matrix but I was, as you were as you were talking I was thinking about how you respond to change it sort of depends whether you are derailed by it or you redirect it. So when you're too enmeshed, you know, using that word that Sarah said earlier, when you're too enmeshed, your work identities maybe got too close and change happens, like Sarah talked about a manager, for example, that might feel like it's absolutely derailed your career. You know, you're kind of doom and gloom, mm. it's derailed your career, what do I do? Whereas I think when you 
you're in a more of a mindset with I can figure this out I'll find a way that was your language I'll find a way through this then it's more likely that you treat change as something that you can sort of redirect your efforts so I think it's this difference between do you feel derailed or are you able to redirect your efforts and if you're able to sort of redirect your efforts it's probably a healthy sign of course you can be passionate about work of course you can be passionate about what you do and who you do it with but your identity and how attached you are to it is not derailing you. You're just able to sort of redirect your efforts to sort of keep Do on. You know with what? It. That's annoyingly good. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to that, and I was thinking she won't have been able to do that. Not not just while we were talking there, but yeah, turns out you did. I was listening and then applying that as you were speaking to all my experiences and thinking, yeah, there's a model. We thought we hadn't got one, but we got one in the end. <laughs> we'll get there in the end. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I'm going to move on to the next action. And this might sound small, but I think in reality, it's really significant. And it's actually about the importance of hobbies. And you wouldn't have thought this is necessarily something there's lots of research in, but there is actually a good Harvard Business Review article (laughs) about hobbies and how important it is that we all still make time for our hobbies that they don't get kind of put to the side because we're always kind of spending time at work and we're spending too much time at work. When I was reading this, I was thinking I can really remember a very specific time in my career when I was working at Barclays where I was loving my job. I was studying, I was doing kind of learning at the time and I really wanted to do well. I was really ambitious and I think it was probably the first time that I felt it was okay to be ambitious and I think I'd never been quite sure about that before. Hmm. And I started to like give stuff up. I started to give up my hobbies and stopped doing some of the things that I'd always done. So I played a lot of netball and I just stopped playing netball. I stopped like reading fiction. So I love to read particularly fiction. And instead of reading fiction for an hour in the evening, I would think, oh, what business book do I need to read? What blog should I be reading? Or I should be doing an extra side project. And so I actually sort of kind of gave up all of this kind of stuff that was just completely unrelated to work. And all of my time was related to work in some way. So the side projects, the hobbies, the networking, the events that I was going to. And I mean, when you say about enmeshment, I I think I was really (laughs) living that dream at that moment. 
And what was really interesting is I actually felt really unhappy really quickly. It had a really dramatic impact on my mental health. And that's because I think we need, our brains need like time and space doing different things. And actually it gives us perspective. You spend time with other people. I think it stops you taking yourself too seriously. To think is that for me is important because I could like take my work really seriously. And I think it just makes you take a step back. And for me, for example, you turn up to play netball with people who don't know what you do, don't care what you do, don't want to talk about what you want to do. And that what they want to do is work out how we're going to win this netball game, which actually I'm also very motivated by. And so it gives you, I think it just gives you space in your week. And and actually, I, I even feel now like I probably don't have as many hobbies now as I had prior to having Max, my little boy. That's a practical thing. But the one thing I've kind of held fast to is reading fiction. So you will never, ever find me reading any nonfiction or anything to do with business in an evening. I probably read for at least an hour a day, I would say, minimum fiction. It's just my thing. It's super selfish. I love it. And it's a small thing, but I think that's kind of me just having something that's just kind of outside and it's just different. I actually see this as kind of an action for myself. I recognise the need to probably, I would probably benefit from having another hobby outside of work that I mean probably a that was a bit more active again would probably be useful but just something different with different people because so much of what I do is connected to work and so many of my friends like some of my best friends I've met through work you're one of my best friends and you're my business partner and so my world is naturally very kind of connected to work and so I think for me this feels actually particularly important and this is the to do for me I think from today's conversation. And just to pick up on, I think, the hobbies in the current situation as well, which is that some things that people might have done for hobbies, I don't know, maybe Mm. you liked going to museums and art or theatre or all those sorts of things that you might have liked to do, you might not be able to do at the moment. And so I think rather than just accepting that um I mean you can't obviously go into a theatre I don't suggest you do that but I think maybe thinking about oh could I watch like the national might be doing stuff on YouTube once a week they might be showing something different or maybe Sarah could join a virtual book club for example or those things remain important they're just not as easy to do in the same way that you did before but please don't leave your hobbies behind while we work our way through this weird situation that we're all experiencing I think there's a greater risk at the moment that you basically get up do some work around childcare or whatever else you're trying to do and then in the evening you sort of collapse and and do it all again tomorrow so I think make time for hobbies and maybe look for creative ways that you can do the thing that you're passionate about slightly differently during this sort of time that we're in at the moment is the research that generally at the moment what people are mainly doing is is working more so yes rather than using our commute time perhaps for a hobby what I think the majority of us are doing is we're using our commute time or kind of any other dead time to just do more work. Let's say you had an hour commute every day total. And even if you took half of that and thought, oh, I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day on on a hobby, on something I'm purely passionate about, I think that feels like it should be realistic, but it does actually feel hard. I'm thinking about that now. I'm like, I used to have a massive commute, like an hour and a half, like both ways. And the idea now going, 
I've got three hours to spend on just like fun stuff for myself. I'm like, when? When would I do that? But it's all about choice, isn't it? It is. I'll maybe try and reclaim the lunch break as well because I um, mm, that's follow. Good idea. I, I follow our lovely friend Bruce Daisley, who has a great podcast, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. I follow him on LinkedIn, and he shared some really interesting data from Microsoft. So Microsoft have some uh, like a, an analytics. It's called My Analytics. I should probably know having worked there, but they shared a summary of some of the data that they've they've seen from sort of like Microsoft Outlook usage and usage of like, you know, PowerPoint and all all those products. And they basically were able to see when people stop using them. And so pre-COVID, they could see a real dip in usage around lunchtime, you know, sort of 12.30 to 1.30. People just weren't going into those applications. But what they've seen during this whole period of time we've been working at home is that that downtime has been far less. Like people are basically not taking a lunch break. They're not going away from their desk. Or if they are, it's to grab a quick... I don't know, whatever it is you have for your lunch yeah. and then get to get back to your desk. So I thought that was, I was like, oh, and, and it was very visual. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, I am, I'm going to admit it because I think it's important, but it's embarrassing. Genuinely today, I mean, I work in our dining room, which is also our kitchen. I think I walked into our kitchen, picked up like a bowl of food. My uh, boyfriend had made it and kind of made me some as well. I think I ate it standing up. Mm-hmm walked the five steps or whatever it was I didn't even go sit down I'm like I'm actually I am actually quite embarrassed about that and have you been out for a walk today no and that's a very Sarah thing. That's what I mean. Because you, I was, what prompted this was me thinking, oh, pre-COVID, you would have been going to a dance class or netball and you're not doing that at the moment. And that's a very Sarah thing. And I even think like when Sarah and I sort of worked together pre all this time, Sarah and I would be like, Helen, we can't sit at a desk all day. We need to go for a walk. But I think to the point of sometimes you don't even realise this stuff is happening until it's gone too far and you need to reclaim the lunch break or do the podcast whilst you're walking rather than whilst you're working. <laughs> Whatever it is, I think yeah. that getting the, making sure you don't deprioritise the hobbies because of everything that's going on right now, they, they remain important. To be worked on. To be worked on. <laughs> um, so our last tip for you around the kind of how you think about your work and identity is all about making sure that you don't see your identity as this fixed state. So you don't say, the person I want to be is like this and I will forever be like this. Because actually there are some identities that might no longer serve you. So for example, I've had, you know, identities as a marketing leader in the past. You know, I really sort of built that marketing thought leader and a lot of the things that I shared were all about that identity. And now... I still love marketing and I still love what I did when I did those roles, but that's not really part of my identity now. I've Things have evolved and changed for me and my identity is slightly different now and it's slightly bigger and broader and connected to my passions and who I am right now. And it's absolutely fine to do that. You don't want outdated identities to hold you back from where you're going. Maybe you've outgrown them now. And also when Sarah was talking about, she mentioned the word should quite a lot, which I thought was interesting when you were talking about, oh, I should read those books. And actually we don't also want should selves. You know, there's identities of the people that we should be, or we, we should be at this level, or we should be successful, or we should be doing all these things on LinkedIn. That doesn't really serve you either. So identity isn't fixed. You will change. Your identity changes. We want to be curious we want to accept that our identity will change and grow with us and there's somebody that Sarah and I's work we really like a lady called Herminia Abara she's written a, a book amongst other things called Working Identity and she says the reality is that there is a myriad of possible selves I love that term possible selves lines of work and jobs that we could do waiting for one true self to emerge will keep you stuck that really resonated with me with this idea of possible selves rather than this sort of stuck self 
And we just thought it might be useful to finish with some questions to ask yourself and some signals and signs to look out for when you kind of might be at risk of thinking of my identity and my work, are they becoming kind of too closely entwined in a way that's unhelpful for me rather than helpful? And this is a bit of a mixture of some of the things that we've read and also reflecting on a kind of few personal experiences. So the first question is, do your friends and family comment or suggest that you might be working too much? And this is often a really useful early warning sign that we ignore, dismiss, avoid. It's really easy to say to your partner, oh, you don't understand, or you don't get it, or it's a really busy time right now. But if you just start to notice that a few people start to kind of say, oh, you seem to be working a lot. I think just make sure you listen to that. I really remember times where perhaps people have said that to me and I would have known that that was happening and I just ignored it. And I think just be aware that that can be a useful way to think, am I working too much? Is it genuinely just a big week where I've got a lot on and actually it'll be okay again by Monday? Or actually, is that does that feel like a consistent thing that people are saying, in which case it's perhaps a moment to pause? And the second thing to look out for is are you saying no to things that actually usually you'd like to do, particularly you saying no to invites for things outside of work? This is because, you know, you'll always give yourself the excuse, oh, I'm too busy, I've not got time for that. And I had this actually even a couple of weeks ago where myself and a group of friends that I've known for ages, we'd sort of not done our usual Zoom catch-up for a bit because, you know, that's the reality of catch-ups right now. And I nearly said no. And then I just caught myself and thought, actually... This is a really good group of friends that I love spending time with that always make me laugh. And it's half an hour, what am I doing? And I thought that was a really good, just kind of watch out for those things that you perhaps say no to that really you'd usually say yes to. I think the third question that's useful, it can feel hard, but I think it's helpful, is if what you are doing today was to end tomorrow, how would you feel? So this really is the example that I gave around Amazing If. So it doesn't mean that you wouldn't feel disappointed or really gutted or it wouldn't be hard but do you think you could move on to another possible self as Herminia Ibarra describes it can you imagine other future possibilities are there other things that you're curious about are there other things you could get excited about and I think just having those three prompts alongside the actions that we talked about I hope give you some really practical things to think about and hopefully to do it's obviously quite a complicated topic and actually it's not one that's talked about that much so I think it's a really it's an interesting emerging area I think of careers and I think one that's only going to get more important so if you've spotted interesting things to read watch and listen to in this area please do get in touch with us just come over to Instagram we're just at amazing if direct messages and and let us know what you've discovered that might be useful for us to share with our listeners or you can just email us at helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and if this has made you reflect and think and it's a topic you'd like to go into a bit deeper don't forget that we have pod plus so pod plus is a weekly 30 minutes interactive session with sarah and i we do it on zoom this one that we'll do on this topic of identity will be on the 27th of august so it's nine o'clock on the 27th of august for 30 minutes and sarah and i there might even be a model but sarah and i <laughs> will basically talk through this to help you even further reflect and put it into action so if you've really liked this topic if if it's something you'd like to learn a little bit more about, maybe think about how you could help some of the people that you know or work with with this topic, join us at Pod Plus for that. Or 
you need to do is go to www.amazingiflearning.com and register for Pod Plus. And we'll put all the details for those things in the notes for this show. So wherever you found this show on Apple Podcasts, whatever, in the description, you'll find a link to some of the things that we're talking about. And then a week after that, we're going to be talking about career confidence. So we recognise and, you know, it's happened to us with our business over the last five months. So, so much change and it might really affect how confident you feel about your career. And we're seeing from lots of the organisations that we work with that people are having a bit of dip. This particular amount of uncertainty that's happening right now is making people sort of feel a bit less confident about their career. And we want to help you with that. So we've covered personal confidence before about how you overcome your confidence gremlins. But this is really about how you can look at your career and you can feel confident with where you are, you know, how you're doing and where you're going in the future. So if that feels like it would be a helpful thing for you, that is next week's topic. And I think that's it for today. If this has been helpful, please do rate, review, subscribe. I know we say it all the time, but it really helps us to reach more people. And we want this podcast to help as many people with their career as it can. So you'd be helping us to do that. And it'd be much appreciated if you could spare a few minutes to do that. Thank you so much to everybody who continues to listen and support us. We really do appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.